0: And welcome, lovely listeners, to the Happily Ever Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Darrow, and I'm thrilled to have you with me today. Whether you're a first-time investor, a seasoned pro, or somewhere in between, you're in the right place. So buckle up and let's dive into the fascinating world of real estate. And today, I want to welcome everyone to the show. I want to talk about what the hell happened this week. To me and my clients, this was unheard of, unprecedented, but I'm sure it's happened before, just not to me. Man, it it was um, something a little shocking, something that doesn't happen on the buying side when you're representing a client. So um, let me just get into it and I'll start describing it, and then you'll kind of uh, understand why I'm so perplexed by what happened to me this week. So I had a client that was interested in a storefront that I showed him in the city of Toronto. Now the storefront was vacant. The building was vacant. It had some tenants on the second floor, but they were like family member kind of tenants. So we didn't think that was going to be a huge issue. Um, So we went, first of all, we went to go see the property and I liked it so much that I went in on the investment. So I partnered with, Uh, the two gentlemen that were buying the property and I went in as a third partner because I believed so much in that property that when I do see an opportunity like that and if there's you know room for me I would put my money into it so so that kind of gave them the confidence to a first you know go in and buy the place because if I'm willing to put my skin in the game it uh, you know definitely met all my criteria so Fast forward, so we're negotiating for about a week, and we had a condition for you know financing and the inspection and environmental, and they wouldn't accept it. So she's you know, the agent on the other side, the listing agent, said, You have to take out all conditions in order for us to uh, accept the offer. And you know, the the seller is elderly, we want to make it easy for her, blah, blah, blah. I know what she's getting at, she just wants a firm deal. So we ended up giving her the firm deal she was asking for the price that was acceptable to us and the price that was acceptable to the seller she comes back and says the owner needs to think about it you know she has a tenant there who's a family member she has to evict her but has to do it gently and and, and so i said okay we'll extend the irrevocable so we extended the irrevocable to the next morning uh, i think it was 12 noon we said okay you have till then we'll you know we'll uh, uh, we'll extend it till then and Hopefully your client comes to a conclusion. So that time passes and uh, I'm wondering what's going on. So the agent calls me and says, uh, you know, so again, she's still waiting. Hasn't spoken with the, the, uh, the tenant yet. She's having trouble. You know, she's got some mental health issues and, and every story under the sun was sort of being thrown at us. So that's fine. And so uh, we, you know, again, this was a cash offer with no conditions, put in front of the seller, everything she's been asking for. The property's been on the market for you know 60 days. The property was in a state of disrepair, had shit in the basement that I know we're gonna have to deal with, some old boilers and uh, you name it, down in the basement, probably gonna cost us like 30 to $1,000 to remove. The apartments are in a state of disrepair and so the only person to buy that would be me, who loves a mess, loves a property. The, worst con- the, 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 the worse the condition of the property, the better is the way I view it. And I'm going to get a discount on that property. I'm going to enhance it and add value to it. I'm going to remodel it. I'm going to re-rent it, stabilize the asset, and then throw it into Lee Croft Real Estate Management to, to look after. So it was a perfect, perfect property. And nobody's buying commercial now. The rates, just to give you an example, on the commercial side, rates are close to 8% for one year deal with a commercial. And, and, and so that's 8% or 7.9, but very close to 8%. And on a three-year deal, you're probably looking at mid sevens, right? That's enough to scare anybody away. But having said that, commercial building cannot even be financed because it's vacant. No A lender No big six bank will give you money to finance a commercial product if it's vacant. There's no holding income, and most of these lenders are income-based lenders, so that's out the window. So they really have no one to sell this property to. So we were the only suitors. We gave her cash. I can't stress this enough. We gave her a cash offer Quick closing. And this lady said, I have to think about it. I have to figure out the tenant situation. Of all the deals in the last, let's say, five years, or hell, you know what? I've been in this business now 21 years. Let's go back 21 years and look at every deal that's fallen apart. I would say 95% of them, at least, maybe higher, in my experience, have fallen apart because the buyer couldn't fulfill the conditions either. The home inspection didn't pass and there were things wrong with the building. They didn't want to close on it. Financing more often than not falls apart. There there were issues that were uncovered maybe in in subsequent viewings that were were kind of hidden by the seller and you know that's why it falls apart. But for, for they can fall apart for many reasons. But By and large, it's because the buyer didn't fulfill the need. Now, in this situation, we couldn't come to an agreement because the seller, the seller wasn't clear on what she needed to do. She said to us she wanted to sell the property. She said to us she wanted to sell the property, but we brought her everything she asked for, even the price. We improved the price to give her, we gave her a a little extra just to say, hey, take it, get the fuck out, but no. And now she's stuck with that property and it's still sitting on the market. It's a week and a half later. So we have no deal. The seller has no prospects. We as buyers have pretty much moved on and we're looking at other assets to buy because clearly, even if, let's say, even if we did come to an agreement, we offered her the money, she took it and it comes to closing. And, you know, the day before we go inspect, how do I know that the tenant isn't gone? For all I know, the tenant could be still there the day before we close. And then what's going to happen? You know, they're in breach of their contract. We are not going to close. We have contractors lined up. And this has happened to me. I'll tell you, this has happened to me once before. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Back in 2018, we had done the same thing, same storefront, uh, actually on the same block, to be honest with you. So we, we, we purchased the storefront. We actually way overpaid for it, but it was 2018. Uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But way overpaid paid for it at closing. The agent calls me and says there's a problem with discharging the mortgages. Day of closing. And so she's uh, through the lawyer, the lawyer comes to us and says, Hey, there's a problem with the, you know, the, you know, closing out some mortgages. There's like three loans on the property. Uh, we managed to clear two, but there's one still outstanding by a private lender who is overseas and we can't find them. So it's going to take um, a few weeks to clear up. So now by this point, we already had contractors lined up. We had uh, a plan in place. We paid for drawings, all this. Okay because we were going to move forward. So we probably spent 15-18,000 doing all this work and we were going to move forward with it. So at that point we had to sort of stop and say okay, well what's this worth for us? So if it was a week we would wait a week. But it turns out that this thing, you know, according to our lawyer, could have taken months to clear. To clear all the more could have taken months. So at that point it was a long closing. I remember it was like a six-month closing, and over the course of those six months, the market shifted drastically, especially in that commercial uh, segment. So I said to my partners, "I said, guys, we way overpaid for this property. We paid one point. I think it was like one point nine five for the property. Property was only worth probably at the time, you know, probably you know one seven ish. So even with the You know they they were they were willing to pay us. I think it was like five thousand dollars a day or ten thousand dollars a week to stay in the deal. But I said, you know what? Even for that small discount, let's say it took two months and we got twenty grand off. I said, even for that, I'm out. So we lost that that eighteen thousand dollars that we invested into that property. But um, looking back now, that um, after we gave it up because it was a breach, it was a breach in contract by the seller. So remember I talked about you know 90% of the deals and 95% of the deals um, fall apart because of the buyer? Well, this one in particular happened to us twice. Um, that actually deal we, we actually uh, executed and a day of closing. Well, the agent knew about this like three weeks before. She could have come to us, but instead of coming to us early and saying, we have a problem, what do you want to do about it? She waited till the last day Till we had our money given to the lawyers. Like it was real. She was real crafty, but slimy because she knew about it. She could have come to us and at that point we could have backed out of the deal then or come up with an arrangement. But she knew that at the day of closing, all our funds have been transferred to our lawyer. Everything was ready to go. She knew that, you know, the further down the line you are, the further you're invested, the less likelihood that you're going to back out of that deal. But she miscalculated, and I said uh, the eighteen thousand dollars, whatever we spent on drawings, we can use them for another building. We're not exactly, but we have the layout and um, what we wanted to do. So we backed out of that deal, and she actually put it back for sale. Waited two years to sell it, and actually sold it ultimately for uh, I think it was like one ish. So. Basically took a $250,000 haircut plus that downtime for the owner. So, you know, that actually gave me a little satisfaction that they actually got, you know, a little, a little pain in this thing because we suffered and, and hopefully they, they suffered equally as much, but yeah, so that, that was, that was my experience. So back to, back to the deal of the day, we are uh, still like not negotiating cause we kind of moved on and we're looking at other product, but it just goes to show you. And a friend of mine told me this. A few years ago, I don't know if he remembers this, but maybe when he's he's listening to the podcast, he will remember. But he told me, he said, Mark, there are kooks in this world. And a lot of these buildings are owned by kooks, as he likes to call them. And so when you're dealing with a kook, you have to deal with them on uh, a different level. And you have to deal with them differently than you would treat a normal a rational thinker because the kooks don't think rationally and uh, you know you, you do have issues with them so all to say uh deal that we put together unfortunately didn't uh, execute we didn't uh, come to an agreement and so that property's still in the market and uh, we have moved on from from that one so but not to say we won't revisit it but we need some clarity if we're going to revisit it and Yeah, I mean, with the commercial rates, it doesn't even look that good. So I I suspect it'll be sitting for a long, long time. So enough about that. So my rant is over. Let's get into the Q&A segment of the show or the fact part of the show is where we answer three questions that have been sent in to us from the listeners or through my Instagram or through my Facebook. Um, So let's get into the three questions of the day. Okay, so the first question is, is this the time to be investing in real estate? So it's a good question. And I I predicted at the beginning of the year that we would see some investors dipping their toes back into the marketplace. And I still believe that because I am getting calls from my investor group who are looking at properties. Now, having said that, I also predicted by the end of the year, once rates start to fall and some confidence returns, they'll be buying more real estate at that time. But just by the activity that I see early on in the year, I think it will be an investment year, but they want a deal. So it's not like they're going to pay the asking prices for many of these properties. They're looking for a deal. And I think I think unless they get that deal, they will not buy. But I think uh, deals will be had this year. And I think it is a if you have the the cojones uh, and you have the uh, guts to to do it, it is it will be a little unnerving, uh, especially what ha- what's happening you know around the world and wars and this and that and, and you know the possibility of escalation of our inflation due to those wars and and all that. I, I think. They really have to get a good deal, but I think there will be trying and they will be throwing out offers, just not great offers. Next question is, uh, what is happening with the assignment market? Okay, so I am part of a um, a WhatsApp group that uh, my office had uh, started and I, I get assignments daily. And what I'm seeing out there in the assignment market is just like a bloodbath. People are trying to, Offload their projects that are coming uh, due, and they are not appraising the right way, and they're not appraising to what they paid for it. Let's say they bought, you know, a, a house for a million dollars; it's appraising at seven hundred and fifty. Condo they bought, you know, for six hundred; it's appraising at four hundred and fifty. They're not getting the mortgage money for these properties, so they are bleeding. and And I found this extremely interesting. So the sellers, even though they're underwater, they're trying. <laughs> They're trying to make a profit on their assignments. So let's say they bought it for $625, they can't get a mortgage. So they're, they're trying to make a profit. So they're like, yeah, I'll, I'll ask $800. See, it doesn't work that way. If you need to get out of a project, you'll be lucky to get what you paid for it. And that's the way it works. And that's how the assignment market moves. If you are looking to get, a profit on top of what you put in, that's why it's sitting on the market. That's why, like, I see all kinds of places listed. Listed high, listed low, listed medium. So I look at them and I say, well, the guy's put into the property, let's say 700 He's asking 900 for an assignment deal that he needs to get out of. I talked to the agent. So this one in particular was a condo downtown. I showed it to a client of mine. It was actually interested in it, so he inqu- he made me inquire about it, and I asked, uh, called the listing agent. and I said, "Listen, what you know? What's he looking to get out of it?" So they told me eight fifty to nine hundred, and we see that he had paid seven hundred thousand dollars for this condo. In my view, if I'm a buyer, which there's not a lot of buyers out there right now, I would take seven hundred and say, give him a warm handshake and be done with it, and get that. that headache off my my plate, because first of all, he can't close, he cannot get a mortgage. If he does get a mortgage, his interest rate is going to be so high that his rent won't even cover half of it. So he doesn't have options. But at the same token, he's putting it on the market saying, hey, I can, if I can make a profit, I'll make a profit. The reality is you ain't making a profit. You're not making a profit on it. You're going to be forced to go bankrupt, or to close on the property somehow and bleed slowly. You're going to bleed slowly as your rent payments and your mortgage payments come out of your bank account. And then as the value keeps dropping, you're going to say to yourself, man, I should have just got out when I could have. And so that's the scenario that we're finding ourselves in. Because let's face it, rate drops are coming, but they're not coming quickly. And when they do come, they're going to come a quarter point at a time, So this bleed period could last about a year, could last 18 months. And those 18 months, you're going to be bleeding half of your your mortgage payment. So let's call it, for sake of argument, $2,000 to $2,500 per month. So after one year, that's $30,000 pissed away. And then after a year and a half, that's another $37,000 totality. And then you take the $37,000 of interest payment that you pissed away and you add it to the purchase price. And now your condo that was once $700,000 is now $737,500 because you pissed away a year and a half on the higher interest because you had to be a hero and you closed on the property, but now you're just losing. Oh, and by the way, that once that condo that was once theoretically worth $700,000 is now worth six fifty. dollars so now it's worth six fifty. dollars you know, you got about $737,000 invested in it. So all to say is, you know, if you are in the assignment market, put your asking price at the right price. If you're looking to get out, don't overprice it because the, the assignment market is very, very limited as it is. It's virtually dead. And now by you overpricing it, you're just going to get overlooked. But if you price it, like you really want to get out, you price what you put it in, you just, you know, you do that deal, you break even, and you move on. Don't think about the path of what could have been, because what could have been, and could, you know, like if the ifs of the world and what could have been is going to leave you basically holding the bag of losses. So just get out and move on. Sorry, that was a little bit longer rant, but I see this every day and I just got to get it off my chest third question is uh, do you see renewed optimism? that question is subjective and it depends on where you are in the GTA but I would say yes there is some renewed optimism, especially in the first time buyer category first time buyers are first time buyers are extremely anxious to get into the property into into properties so they are the ones like I just saw I looked at a townhouse for a client of mine, 1.2 million, and they had like 25 offers on this property. So the demand is there for the first-time buyers, but you know it's because the first-time buyers, the way they view the world and the way they are uh, instructed by real estate agents, they're very easily manipulated, and so for that reason, they just go in with sort of um, blissful ignorance, and they kind of just you know pump that market up, but. In the other segments of the market, I don't think there is uh, too much renewed optimism you, you know by by listening to you know certain people in the industry you will believe that there is renewed optimism and and there is don't get me wrong there is some uh, excitement about what's to come in the real estate world but there is still a lot of pain and problems and issues that we still have to get through before we get to the other side. I think it is turning the corner, but there's still uh, a ways to go so So that's what i'll say about that as always i would like to end the podcast with a quote and the quote of the day is when one door closes buy another one and open it yourself and that's by an anonymous person and i actually love it it's very simple but it's very powerful well there you have it folks another episode of happily ever investor podcast is in the books I hope you enjoyed it and if you found value in what we discussed and want to dive deeper into the world of real estate investing, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, take care, keep those investment dreams alive, and let's catch up again soon. Happy investing.